you know, I, I don't know how they kept up with time back then. No watch, no Apple iPhone watch, you know, no, no phone to look at. I think about old Paul and Silas sitting in that jail. They've been whipped and beat, punched and kicked. But it said, about midnight, late in the midnight hour. On about 10 o'clock, somebody was getting desperate. Paul, I don't know if we're going to make it out of this. Oh, come on, Silas. We've had a good run. If this is it, so be it. But, yo, they just kept praying and singing and praising God. And late in the midnight hour, some started shaking. Hey, what's going on? Who opened that door? Who opened that door? Where'd them chains go? Late in the midnight hour, God's still coming through. God's going to get you out in the name of Jesus. in there with that we ain't gonna never stop y'all keep jumping in there that i can't do it but you know we we just fixing to ramp up again but you need to know today that god can still turn it around i don't care how desperate it seems how late it seems you so sure it's over but let me tell you god's always got the last word Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. You appreciate this choir? Appreciate our music? Hallelujah. Give him a hand. Thank you. Come on, we got a preacher. Appreciate our choir and our music today. I appreciate our choir. 
Let's give them one more hand, our choir and our music. Appreciate them today. I see that one being sang again uh, very soon, probably. So what a, what a song, what a thought. And God's still turning it around. Maybe help ain't going to come. Just hang in there a few more minutes. They might have thought that standing on the edge of that fiery furnace. Well, maybe God ain't going to come through. But when they opened their eyes in the middle of it and saw him standing there with them, well, I believe they might, I don't know what time of day it was, but they might have been singing. It was late in the hour, but God come through. God's going to come through. You got to trust him today. You got to believe the Lord. God always, he's always on time. That old choir song, he's an on time God. Yes, he is. Praise God. That's an old one. That's for some of y'all. Y'all don't know that one. They some know it. <laughs> they some back there know it. God's good. All right. I'm so thankful for our young men and, and great preachers we have in this church today. Brother Lodge is going to come preach to us this morning. Let's give him a hand. Preach with him today. Love you. Love you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do that. Do that. Do that. I think we ought to one more time. I think we ought to just one more time before we get into the Word of God. If I could get about 10 people to lift up your voice like a trumpet unto the Lord, I believe God's going to break some things in the Spirit before we ever even get started in this place. ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Lift up your voice. Let a shout of praise. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh. I'm reminded of a of a message that my cousin preached not long ago. I might not be able to explain what I feel in this place. But I can't deny what I feel in this place. I might not be able to explain the peace and the comfort that's in this place right now. But I can't deny the liberty that's in this place. I might not be able to explain what I feel right now. The chills going up my spine and the pounding in my chest. I might not be able to explain it. But it's undeniable that the presence of God is in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, oh. Lord. 
While we're standing real quick, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture in Matthew 24. Starting in verse 3. While you're getting there, I'd like to give honor to my pastor. Give honor to his family. I believe in that, giving honor where honor is due. I'm appreciative. I'd like to give honor to the names written on this pulpit right here. Every time I have the honor of standing behind this pulpit and I see brother and sister Eberhardt written on this pulpit, it reminds me of my heritage. It reminds me of my heritage. And can I encourage you this morning that if you don't have a bloodline heritage in the Lord that you can look back to and be like, oh, I have this many generations in the Holy Ghost. I have this many generations on my mom's side and this many on my dad's side. If you got the Holy Ghost... You got all the heritage that you need. Yes, come on, preach that. It's a blessing to be able to look back over my life and see the things that God has blessed me with. But if you got the Holy Ghost today, you got all the heritage that you need. God is in this place. Matthew chapter 24, while we're standing, starting in verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then the end shall come. Can we lift up our hands one more time and pray? Father, I love you. Oh, precious Lord, I love you today. Lord, I know that you've given me a word. Lord, I know that you've pricked my heart. Lord, I've asked you to go before me today. Lord, send out your angels among this congregation, God, your ministering spirits. Lord, and soften the hearts of the people in this congregation. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to let your spirit rest in this place. Lord, let there be liberty. Let there be freedom. But God, let there be conviction. Lord, touch our hearts today. God, reach into our hearts today. Lord, and begin to shape us and mold us. Lord, and prepare us for your coming, God. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, let it be done. In Jesus' name. Thank you for standing so long. You can be seated. Mm. I don't feel like I'll be long today. I feel like I feel like whenever uh, whenever the Lord gives you a word like this, it's never really long. But I feel like it's relevant. I just tried to drink out of the microphone. I feel like it's relevant for the time that we're in right now. And I prayed. Over this word, I, I always pray over my messages, but I prayed specifically over this because it's, man, it'd be so easy to get up here and just tell you that God's going to make a way. God's going to come through. God's going to heal you. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. But man, he don't give me stuff like that very often. And I prayed that God would go before me and prepare the way. And I prayed too hard because in Sunday school I was sitting there at pastor like, man, slow down. That's part two. But God did what I asked him to do. The word of the Lord says, take heed that no man deceive you. Be on guard. Be diligent. Be on the lookout for deception. You see, when a good magician or a trickster deceives you, he must first distract you. He uses one hand to perform a distraction and get all of your attention on this right here while this hand is behind your back performing his deception. This hand is a smoke screen. This hand is the distraction. This hand is what he wants you to see and what he wants your attention on. But behind the scenes, this is what he is performing. How do I avoid being deceived? Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. How, Lord, do I perform this feat of refusing deception. Second Timothy 2 and 15. I'm sorry Hannah. I didn't give you this scripture. Says. Study. To show thyself approved unto God. A workman. That needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you're worried. About being deceived. By a false truth. If you're worried about being tricked into believing a false truth, bury your face in the truth. Bury your nose in the truth. I heard a wise man of God coin this phrase. False truth will not always reveal the truth. But the truth will always reveal false truth. If you're just looking out for deception, if you're just looking out for falsehood, 
Falsehood does not always reveal the direction that you should go, but the Word of God, the truth, will always reveal where there is falseness. Be a covenant church and let God write His Word in your minds and in your hearts and let that Word be the filter through which all instruction all doctrine, all theories, all legislation, all opinions, everything that you can learn from, let it be filtered through the Word of God so that you are not deceived with false truths that you shouldn't learn from. For many shall come in my name and deceive many. Be careful, church. Be careful, Of who you allow to influence you. The deceivers won't only come in the name of the world. Or in the name of science. Or in the name of popular opinion. They'll come in Jesus name. Brother so and so. Says this. So it must be true. Brother so and so. Endorses this. So it must be a good cause. Brother so-and-so says we should do this. Be careful. Be careful. Don't be deceived. The Word of God will rightly divide the truth. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. The signs of the last days do not only prophesy of war, but rumors of them. Look around at the world that we're living in today. Our world is divided. I hear news on the left and news on the right. News everywhere points us towards an inevitable civil war. That's not me saying that it's going to happen. That's just... Rumors. Rumors. That's just in the United States of America. Without doing an in-depth study of how things are going in other nations around the world, we can look at our own home, our own nation, and see the word of Jesus come into pass. See that ye, the church, his followers, see that ye be not Troubled. That word troubles means to be beset by problems or conflict. There is a lot of conflict in this world. All over the world. There is a lot of conflict in this world. But be not troubled. Be not beset by the problems. Be not Beset by the conflict. 
The church is here. The problems are here. The church is here. The problems are here. And the problems will pull you this way. Or the problems will pull you this way. But the church is here. The love of God covers a multitude. Be not troubled. Be not. Be not troubled. I know this is not get me excited kind of preaching. I know this is not get me pumped up kind of preaching. Oh, man. And trust me, you think you're uncomfortable. I love you. I love every single one of you. If I didn't, I'd have preached your head off. If I didn't love you, I'd have got up here and shouted and hollered and screamed. I wouldn't have ever got off of where I started and then got onto this text. I would have stayed there if I didn't really love you. But I don't have a choice. You see, I, when I accepted the call, when I accepted the call to preach the Word of God, I accepted the call to preach what thus saith the Lord. And it's not always easy to say what thus saith the Lord. But He needs us on the straight and narrow path. And we cannot afford to be beset by the conflicts of this world. We can't afford to be pulled. We can't afford to be tricked. We can't afford to be beset by conflicts in this world. Jesus is the answer to all of it. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That word nation translates to a Greek word, ethnos. And that word means race. One of the signs of the last days is racial conflict. Not only will there be kingdom against kingdom or government against government, there will be race against race. And there shall be famines and pestilence. Pestilence is defined as a fatal epidemic disease. Hello? Are we beginning to see a pattern yet? Earthquakes in diverse places. According to the National Earthquake Information Center, there are approximately 20,000 earthquakes per year right now. We're here. You ever go to the mall and you see those big old signs and those maps? It's huge and you have no idea where you're at and then there's a little red dot in the menu. It says, this red dot, you're here. It's your red dot. We're here. God help us. We're here. But remember the instructions of the Lord as He begins telling us about these times. So far we've been given two instructions to navigate these times. Don't be deceived. And don't be troubled. Don't be tricked. And don't be beset by the conflict. Rise above it. These two instructions go hand in hand. 
And I believe there's a reason that Jesus gave them in the order that he did. For if an enemy can deceive you, he can beset you. I want to give you a description of a picture that God allowed me to see when the quarantine of COVID-19 started. Now, I'm not saying it was some vision, some something, but in prayer, God will show you things. In prayer, God will speak to you. So this is a little free nugget. Get a prayer life. If you haven't yet, boy, it'll spare you a lot of hurt. Talk to the Lord. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give you another free one. Prayer is hard sometimes. I heard this from another wise man of God. I've been listening to a lot of people. Prayer is one of those things that your flesh will resist you. Prayer is one of those things that your flesh will try and get you to stop. And if you stop, sometimes you'll get down and you'll pray and you'll be like, man, that was a bummer. I feel like my prayers didn't hit the ceiling. But it doesn't matter if you felt something when you prayed. What mattered is there was a God who recognized there was a man or woman on his face, on her face, reaching out to God. And your prayers will build up an altar before the Lord. And sooner or later, those prayers are going to get high enough to where God's going to look down and be like, what is that? What is that about? Let's go ahead and get that one taken care of. Every prayer, every prayer, every prayer, whether you feel it or not, every prayer builds up. Every prayer, every prayer gets his attention. So in prayer, I was talking to the Lord. And this was... Right as the quarantine hit us, right as the quarantine started and we were starting to not be able to come to church anymore. And in prayer, I was feeling troubled. And so I took it to the Lord. And he showed me a picture of the straight and narrow path. And the church, multitude of people at the church on this straight and narrow path. It was encouraging to see how many people were on this straight and narrow path with Jesus at the head and us behind him. But on either side, on either side of this straight and narrow path were huge monuments, huge statues, enormous. And while none of these enormous monuments were sinful by nature, because of the way that they had been used to distract the church, they had become idols. There was one for sports. There was one for media slash news outlets. There was one for the Republican Party. There was one for the Democratic Party. There was one for your television shows. There was one for your favorite movies. There was one for your video games. There was one for your job. There was one for your favorite style of music. Anything and everything that you can think of that had a voice louder than the voice of God, there was, a, there was a towering monument for it. And while we were on this straight and narrow path, I'll give you a description. We were on this straight and narrow path, and we're walking, but we're walking like this. Not looking here. We're looking here. Look at all this stuff going on. And then before you know it, God was gracious enough 
to give us a wake-up call. And in a matter of days, in a matter of days, the quarantine hit. And all these voices were silenced. And they began to crumble to dust. And all that was left for the church to see how close they had gotten to the edge of the straight and narrow and see Jesus and go, oh, oh, I didn't realize how focused I was on this, that I was right here, man. I was right there. I didn't realize how big this was and how far away he was. I, I need to get back on track. And God was gracious enough. He was merciful enough to put us into a timeout. Our Heavenly Father was kind enough to put us into a timeout so we could think about our relationship with Him and not be distracted. But then, our adversary began to work again. He knows that his time is short. And if he can get us focused on politics again, if he can get us focused on civil rights again and social justice again, if he can drag our attention to the new monuments that he's erecting, to the new towers that he's erecting on either side. He's working tirelessly to get your attention back off of Jesus and back onto something else. Just stop thinking about Jesus. Just think about something. Oh, they're praying again. Oh, they tore my monuments down. The church is praying again. I got to do something to get their attention off of Jesus again. I got to do something. I got to catch the world on fire. So I, I got to do something. To get their attention back off of Jesus. And if he can do that, he can nullify the effects of that spiritual timeout. I talked to several people. I talked to several people when this first happened. Telling them this is what I felt. The Holy Ghost just snatched us right back from where we were at. The Holy Ghost just got a hold of us and pulled us back to the center line. I felt that in the Holy Ghost whenever that quarantine hit. And we were all given a period of time to build our personal relationship with God again. To hone in on our spiritual relationship with Him. Mm. Let me read you a portion of Scripture that will help us understand what I'm saying here. In a second letter to the Thessalonian church. It's going to be 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul addresses the Antichrist. And the spirit of the Antichrist. And the second coming of the Lord. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day the coming of the Lord shall not come. Except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin. Be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is as God sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Speaking of the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. That word means to restrain. 
to pull back, fight against. Only he who now resists will do so until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. This portion of Scripture addresses the Antichrist, and it addresses his agenda. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. The word iniquity translates directly to the word lawlessness. When the scripture says the mystery of iniquity, it is referring to the spirit of lawlessness. The scripture also addresses the fact that this agenda, this mystery of iniquity, this spirit of lawlessness, is the agenda of Satan, our adversary. I do not think for one moment that the state of our world right now is a coincidence. The world is crazy. But notice, for weeks we longed to come back into the house of God. For weeks we longed to get back into the presence of the Lord. And we were unable to. As soon as the church doors started opening and people began to worship again and people began to take advantage of that time that they had recollected their thoughts, the narrative shifted from the coronavirus to other issues. The news on both sides of whatever spectrum that you're looking at are trying to distract you. The world is trying to lull you into a a tolerant, carefree mindset where if we can just dumb down holiness, if we can just dumb down the standards, if we can just dumb down the work of the cross, we can all come together and love God in our own way. We can all come together and just sing kumbaya. And if it can't get you there, then it'll bump you back to the other side. If it can't lull you into this carefree mindset, if it gets you and you go, no, I'm not going to stand up for that, boom, knocks you back over to this side. Off the center line again. Mission accomplished. And if it can't get you on this side, your resistance to this side, if you're not careful, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. If it can't get you over here, then it'll bump you back over to this side where you've got a heart of stone. Where you look at the world through the lens of judgment instead of the eyes of mercy. Your adversary wants to change your perspective because we are he that letteth. We are the resistors. We are the spirit-filled Children of the Most High God. The Spirit of God in the church is He that leadeth. And there will come a day when we will be pulled out of the way. And that wicked will be revealed. It's not even at 100% yet. There will come a day 
when we will be removed from the equation. And if before that day comes, we get distracted, then we might, if we stop being he that resists, if we stop being he that letteth, we might not get taken out of the way. Church, can I tell you that in these last days, we cannot afford to be distracted by the cares of this world. The world is trying to get you on one side or the other. Hear me today. This world is trying to pull you on one side or the other. They want you to make a stand. Where do you stand in this matter, apostolic church? Where do you stand, saint of God? Where do you stand, young preacher? Where do you stand, choir member? I'll tell you today that my stand is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll take the same stand that I've taken for 24 years. I'm going to stand right here on the Word of God upon the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. I stand. Proverbs says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right. Turn not to the left. But let your foot be removed from evil. Turn not. Turn not to the right. Turn not to the left. But let your eyes as Jesus be set like a flint on the goal. I don't have to take a stand on the right. I don't have to take a stand on the left. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, holiness-preaching child of the living God. Whoever stands under this nation, under God, whoever pulls for that, that's who I support. I don't care what you call yourself. Let's get back to the text. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and 9 says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, people, that's already happening. That's been happening for centuries. That's the reason we started this nation under God, was to get away from religious persecution. That's the reason we started this, was because people were being killed left and right for reading the Word of God. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many, and because iniquity, because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This too is the work of our adversary. Specifically, it makes me think of a device that he uses, especially on the church, or tries to use on the church. 
but we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, I forgave it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want my adversary having any advantages over me. And one of the main devices of the enemy is to plant a seed of unforgiveness in our hearts. Being offended, betrayal, hatred, lawlessness, and a total absence of love, all could stem from an unforgiving heart. One of the things that God is accomplishing through this time of chaos is to reveal the contents of our heart to us. Not to reveal the contents of our hearts to the world, but to us. Let me show this to you in the life of Job. Job was a good man who loved God and hated evil. He was an upright man. And God had confidence in him and considered him a faithful servant. Like all of God's faithful servants, Satan hated him. So God uses the hatred of Satan and allows Satan to approach Job and perform several attacks that hurt those around Job and eventually harm Job's own body. Now, Job has some friends that decide they want to help him by accusing him of things that he's never done. They blame him. They blame his own sins. They blame his own iniquities for the things that were going on around him. And Job argues and defends himself to his friends for 37 chapters. And God remains silent. God allows the accusations to continue towards Job. Until Job reaches a breaking point. Job answers his friends for the final time. After all the accusations have come. After everything has landed. And he answers the last time saying, All I want is for the Almighty God to answer me. God, explain to me what in the world is going on. And there, the heart issue comes out. Job was too confident in his own lifestyle that he felt he had earned an explanation From the Almighty. Then in chapter 38, God does answer Job. But he doesn't answer the question of why he allowed the hardship to fall on Job. Instead, he only responds to the heart issue that presented itself. God answers with one of the most powerful passages of Scripture by saying, Who are you? That you would demand of me. 
Who are you, man, that you would demand an answer from the Almighty God? If you haven't read the book of Job, I would encourage it. For the next four chapters, God establishes His authority in the life of Job. And when it's all said and done, Job says nothing more about the suffering that he faced, but instead he repents for the heart issue that God revealed to him through the pain. Does that mean that God loved Job any less because of his response? Of course not. God knew that it was in there the whole time. But he allowed Job to find it so that their relationship could grow. And thus God blessed the latter end of Job. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world around us. There's a lot of pain and confusion in the world around us. And I understand that. And God sees that. I believe that God is allowing us to respond to the things that are hurting us. He's allowing us to respond to the things that we don't like. He's allowing us to respond to the things that are flooding the world. And whether we responded in public or whether we responded through other avenues to a few close friends or or in prayer or typed or however, however we responded to the hurt that was in here. He allowed us to respond so that our hearts could be revealed. Oh, help us. Help us to think hard about the way that we responded. And ask yourself, am I willing to stand by that response? Or do I need to follow after the example of Job and repent? And allow God to teach me and draw me closer to Him. And that leads me to my final portion of Scripture today, if the music wants to come. I know it hasn't been fun. The Lord's final instructions to us before He says the end will come. And I'm not preaching doom and gloom. This is good news if it'll work on our hearts. This is good news if it will get us ready. Matthew 24, verse 13 says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Our instructions are these, church. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. Endure to the end. And finally, the Lord gives us our response to the turmoil that's going on around us. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached. That is our response. That is our response.
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's our message. That's our stance. If this world has any chance of being saved, it's with that message. If your family has any chance of being saved, it's with that message. If your friends and loved ones have any chance, it's with you being apostolic. It's with you being true to the Word of God. If we could all stand, I'm, I'm done. I know that it seems hard, what I was saying. I know that it seems straightforward. And, and I know that it sounds like I was telling you about a whole lot of bad things that are going on in this world. But the good news is the gospel. The good news is, through all of this, He said, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. See, we just read where he says the end shall come. And I just showed you that we're in the last days. I didn't say anything that I said to hurt your feelings or to convict you. I didn't say anything that I said for any other reason but to show you where we're at right now. To show us that we're here we're right here at the end. And God was gracious enough to tell us that even all the way through all of the stuff that I've just showed you, I'll be with you. He didn't make it, he didn't make it broad and say, I'll be with the church. He didn't make it broad and say, I'll be with the people. He said, he made it personal. Because our relationship with Him is personal. He said, I'll be with you. So whatever it is, wherever you fall right now, whatever's been on your heart right now, whatever has come out of your mouth, whatever has been weighing on you, He said, I'll be with you. But if you feel led, I'm going to open up these altars. So we can come and find a place of prayer and repentance. Let God shine His light into our hearts today. And just sand down the rough edges. And let the Holy Ghost minister. And when you've finished searching yourself, because Paul said, I die daily. I die daily to repentance. When we've all finished 
search in our heart, our own hearts, then we can pray for somebody else. But right now, if you would, if you feel led, if we can find a place where we can connect with our Savior, where we can connect with our counselor, with our help, I believe that God will work on us. God bless you.
What a good word today. You know, if, if you're not careful, you'll let a message of repentance, you, you, you'll let it get you down. Because we always associate repentance with sorrow and, and you know, sad things and crying. And, and yeah, there's going to be a lot of that when you're repenting. But if you would realize what you're looking forward to. You know, surprises are good. You ever get a good surprise? Something comes in the mail or, you know, somebody brings you something and it's like, wow, I needed this. It's wonderful. You're just like, I love you. That's so great. That's a great surprise. But, but don't you also love when you know something's coming and you're looking forward to it and then when it gets there, how great it is? But when you read Scripture, that's what you find that God's got for His people when they repent. If my people which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear and I will heal. Hey, the, the prelude to hearing and healing is always humility, prayer, and repentance. And so I got something to look forward to now. What he preached to us was, hey, the good news is that whenever we obey that and whenever we decide something great's coming, the Bible says, you got, hey, look, you've got to believe his word now. If I do those things, if I humble myself, pray, seek his face, if I turn around, he's hearing me and healing is coming to my life. Something's coming my way. The Bible says I have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligent search comes through humility, prayer, repentance. That's where you find God because you can't find God going your way. You got to turn around and go his way. He preached, the, he preached what we needed. He preached the medicine for the land today. He preached the medicine for the church today. So now, after sorrow and searching and tears, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking for healing. I'm looking for blessing. I'm looking for things. You know, when something heals, it's better. It works again. You, when you're healed, you feel better. Things are better. You're off, you're off the medicine. You're, all, you know, you, you're good now. I can do what I used to do. I've been healed. That's where your joy comes from. That's where that peace comes from. I'm thankful for a message that in the last days there's hope that we can still find an altar of repentance and meet our God and God will still come through and heal our land, heal our, heal our lives, put back together what's been broken. Brother, listen, this is an experienced preacher telling you. Don't never, don't never be sorry for preaching like that. Don't, don't never be sorry for preaching like that. That's, that's what we need to make it. That was a good word today. Let's give God a hand. I'm thankful for the word of God today. Thankful for the word of God today. Praise the Lord. I tell you, the, the time is, when he said that, he said, we're right there. We're, we're that red dot on that map. We're right here. We're in these last days. Listen, the, the preaching that, that we're going to need is going to be a lot sh- stronger than it's been in days past because the days will require it. I believe that in Jesus' name. And I believe that God's got his hand on his people just as he ever has. And so listen, be encouraged today. Nothing that's going on in your life that cannot be fixed by the Lord. 
You haven't done anything that God looks at you and thinks, I don't love you no more. You know, you can't make him not love you. He's going to love you no matter what. Oh, what a Savior. Jesus loves you today. Praise God. I love you. Thank you for being in church. Prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock is going to be fantastic. You need to be here. Going to have a great time in the Lord. Have a wonderful day. Be safe. Be well. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. I'll also remind you that the two front doors will be open so you can exit out right from the sanctuary today so everybody doesn't have to try to go through the foyer.